Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt D'Andrea here with uh, my friend Jay Fenning. He's uh, the host and producer of the Hard Parking Podcast with Jay Fenning. Um, I've been on the show before and uh, it's a great uh, show. It's a good lifestyle stuff. Get into some automotive stuff as well. And uh, you guys should definitely check that out at hardparkingpod.com. Uh, CarCast brought to you by Bravago best tasting hard seltzer in the universe we're uh we're very excited we just won another round of awards from uh, uh from rtd magazine it's the ready to drink uh magazine and they gave us awards for all three of our products again and our vanilla vanilla orange cream uh won the gold we uh won another round of awards as well we're that same flavor won best um vanilla flavor overall for the year so good excited about that Hopefully you guys uh, try it out. See if you like it. It's at uh, drinkbravago.com. We ship to 38 states. Uh, Jay, how are you? Man, I'm great. You know, thank you. It's uh, exciting to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, the Bravago success is, is amazing. Everybody I share it with loves it. You know, we're at that little shindig, you know, during auction week. And I had asked everyone around me to try it. And as you saw, uh, everyone loved it. So congratulations on that success. And, um, you know, I'm going to continue to drink it because a lot of those seltzers, and this isn't an advertise, you guys don't pay me for any of this stuff, but yeah. I buy it because I, I actually like it and I like to support things that friends are doing, but it's an amazing drink. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, the event you were talking about is the Radford Racing School in Arizona. It used to be the Bonnerin School and um, it was acquired some years back and they've really been kind of uh, pumping some money into it and turning it into a really, really cool event. And the owner of that, uh, of that school, uh, put on an event at his house. Um, uh, I guess sponsored by Alfa Romeo as well. And then we, we reached out and said, you know, we love to have our drinks there at your bar. So we did and, uh, appreciate the, everybody that came out to that and tried the drinks, but, um, nice, nice Pat. He's got out there. Uh, the owner of Pat, he's got himself, yeah. a a. a a sweet house and Alfa Romeo's parked in the yard and uh rad for racing cars parked in the front yard. Uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's a nice, a nice thing. So that kind of kicked off my Arizona auction week. Uh, I guess Wednesday night uh, when I, when I got out there. Um, 
Yeah, it's cool. There's some cool stuff I want to get into. I want to get into some of these auction results as well. Uh, sure. Previously on Pog, on uh, on CarCast, we talked about a few of the cars that I thought were kind of interesting to look at, and we wanted to see if they sold, did they do well, and there's kind of overall how Barrett-Jackson went and kind of the the spectacle and the party that it that it is uh this year especially everybody came out um and we'll get into that in a minute but uh i'm gonna go ahead and see if i can uh show you guys some of some of this stuff so you know while you're while you're pulling that up i gotta yeah. say you know the the stellantis alpha uh radford thing that we went to I started sending my wife videos and of course there's a pro and a con to that. Number one, you know, I show her that I'm not out there getting in trouble, but of course the con <laughs> is we should do that to our house too. So yeah. Right. Really yeah. In, yeah. In our budget, but you, you mean you should park three Alfa Romeos in your backyard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should get sponsors. That's what she means. We should get sponsors for our house. We should get car sponsors and bar sponsors and sushi sponsors. I, I wish I could come in and, and have all that stuff. Yeah. But this house, actually this house looked more like a museum than anything else. Uh, it was just, it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. And then with Chip Foose sitting there, whipped out his markers and drew, a photo. I mean, just this amazing drawing, and then gave it away. And then my friend got the the bleed through from the marker. You just can't make that stuff up. Yeah, they actually Ralph Gills, the head of design for Stellantis, had a draw off, a little competition between uh, Chip Foose and himself, and they they both kind of went at it, and yeah, and gave gave stuff away. It was fun. To, yeah, it was amazing uh, to catch up with that. We sat Chip Foose and I sat and had dinner at the table there and got a chance to catch up for like an hour and um yeah he's got a lot going on his shop's always busy amazing yep um checking out rm this first car over here this uh excuse me this 427 cobra interesting because the 427 cobras have always done very well um this one at 1.2 million dollars but the ones that have really been climbing are the 289 cobras and uh rm had this 289 cobra 1.215. The 289 Cobra did better than wow. the 429 Cobra, uh, which is really kind of interesting. Um, trying to move my screen around here a little bit. Uh, this is kind of interesting because that the the white the white 289 Cobra I had. I had connected uh, Sammy Hagar with the guys at Superformance some years ago, and he was interested in having them build him uh, a Cobra. And he was like, I like the the narrow body 289 style Cobras. And this is what he essentially built. Now he built the replica version of this white as well. The wire wheels, sure. the whole thing. Um, he may be selling it now. He's had it for a lot of years and, and he's Sammy Hagar. He likes to change cars. <laughs> well, this is an incredibly classy looking vehicle. This looks like something you would take up to maybe, maybe Pebble or something where, you know, the traditional one is just to the wall, you know? Yeah, right. So the, the 427 version is, is kind of the bonkers version. And that's the one that right. kind of goes after, but don't underestimate the 289 Cobras. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I had this page open as well, because we've got the three Shelby's here. We've got the GT 350 H, the Hertz car, the GT 350 and the GT 500. Now, understandably the GT 350 and the GT 500 
you see very similar looking cars, but they there is a little bit of a price difference going almost $230,000 to $360,000 between the two. Um, but the one that I brought up on a previous show was the GT350H at 170,000 at almost 171. This is actually on the higher end, but I just don't know why these, um, these Hertz cars didn't really move. It feels like they've been sitting at a hundred, hundred and a quarter for, you know, 15 years. And now maybe just creeping up a little bit. And we've always sort of talked about on the show about how the big brother drags up the little brother, right? You look at the Gullwing and what it does is, is it brings up sure. the 190 SL um, a little bit, you know, the 190 was, I don't know, $30,000 car. Now it's, I don't know, a couple hundred grand or something like that. Um, and maybe that's what's going on here is uh, the Shelby's would be bringing up the Hertz car. Honestly, if I was RM or if I was the consigner who owned that Hertz car, I would have really asked for instead of lot 122, I would have wanted it to be 125 or 124 after these two cars. Because if you saw the GT350 go and then the GT500, I'd want my Hertz car to go and probably would have dragged it up a little bit because anyone bidding on these two cars that didn't get it would have been like, oh, here's another shot to maybe try to get the Hertz car. So um, I know they kind of went small, medium and large and, and as far as, as, uh, as the docket goes, but... For the sake of the consigners, I would have went large, medium, small. I would have started with the big car because you know it's going to get money. And anybody who doesn't want it probably would have thrown a little extra for the other two cars. Uh, that's just my opinion. That's how I would have helped the consigners, but also make a little bit more money for RM. And as just a regular car person, is that kind of one of those those strategies, you know, the placement of the lot? Well, it, it is. So you do compete for lot space, um, especially at at a big event and a no reserve auction like like a Barrett sure. Jackson. You want like prime time spots when you're consigning a car. Part of what you're trying to do, if you have what they call the salon collection cars over at Barrett Jackson or, or here, if you have this is all kind of premium cars. But yes, uh, you scroll down to the end of this auction and there was the uh, the Maybach. And the Rolls Royce, these are $400,000 cars that are worth $180,000. And yes, they're at the tail end of the auction. Jeez, look at that Series 1. Yeah, the Shelby Series 1 getting $112,000. I, I like the car, but it wasn't really that successful. I think it's just because it's a GM parts bin car. Um, carbon fiber body, cool look. And just struggled to get past $100,000 for so long. Uh, it just wasn't quite there. Um, but yeah, if you're at the end of the auction, you got a little bit of money in your pocket and you want a good like road trip car, you grab that Maybach right there. Maybe you grab that Rolls Royce Phantom. By the way, $200,000 for a Rolls Royce Phantom. This car was what, $450,000, almost $500,000. This isn't the Ghost. This is the Phantom. This is the big boy. Uh, that's the thing yeah that's a yeah. nice one yeah it's it's massive it's nice um i feel like I, i'd have to hire someone to drive it while i sat in the back yeah although i drove we road tripped a ghost to um monterey uh car week and back and spent the week with it and nice just one of the nicest driving cars i've ever i've ever driven um so you got stuck driving it no, I, 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 well I, I drove it it was me and it was adam Kroll and it was it was his son and 
uh, Sonny and um, I don't know if somebody else was with us in the car at the time. Uh, yeah, but I, I pretty much do the drive the whole time there and it's fun to do. Um, I know so, you guys heard me talk about this a million times. The Jaguar XJ220, great supercar looks, really kind of held down by sort of a dated looking interior and the six cylinder engine. Um, Jay, I don't know how familiar you are with, with the XJ220, but to me, just an underrated supercar. It's got the look then, and as as kind of a uh, 80s movie aficionado, I look at this car and I go, oh yeah, this is Charlie Sheen and the Wraith back in the day, although that was a Chrysler. Uh, and I sure, think you yeah. brought that car onto uh, onto Jay Leno's garage once. And the car that that always bugged me about that car is the the car in the Wraith. It had like this supercar look, but it was just lifted like a monster truck. I don't recall what chassis they put in it. It just bothered me so much that it was sat so high. Um, this is a car that I've been saying is going to be creeping up in value in years. And although I've been saying it for years, it hasn't really moved much. I don't know if I'm wrong or if I'm still waiting this out, but um, I think it's a cool piece. Uh, and less than 300, huh? Well, I yeah, think the funny thing about this car, I remember it well. I got all the road and track magazines, it's out of cars quarterly, DuPont registries. And as a typical younger car person, I looked at it and I go, wow, that's a cool looking car, but those wheels, those wheels. So it, it's a weird and thing. I've seen it's, it with upgraded wheels and it looks completely yeah, different. Yeah, it, it looks good. But now it's like, but the wheels are so bad, they're iconic to the car. If you sure. change the wheels, I think it just looks like a kit car at that point, which is weird because I did this with my 95 Ford Lightning. The 95 Ford Lightning has those weird, you know, sort of fan looking wheels and they're not great. I There's such better wheels out there. They're not that good. But- it is the one thing that really makes the difference between an F-150 and the Lightning, right? You can see that thing from 100 feet away and go, I know it's a Lightning because of the wheels. Like nobody ever gets Lightning wheels and puts them on an F-150 because they're ugly. So when I was but bringing mine to the SEMA show, what's that? Your custom wheels. Yes. So when I was bringing yes. mine to the SEMA show, uh, we were doing a big brake package on it. So... Uh, Brad Fanshawe at Bond Speed Wheels made me a custom one-off billet set. We scanned the original wheels. We did sort of a three-dimensional billet version of it, a two-piece. And we made them directional. So the fans are the correct rotation right and left. They're 18-inch and they're slightly staggered. They're 18-9s in the front, 18-10s in the back with a little bit of dish on it. Um, and yeah, when I put it at the SEMA show, it was in the Magnaflow booth outside by the Ford out front area. And the guy at Magnaflow who's with the trailer and the other cars, he's there the whole time. And he kind of just looks at the cars and he goes all day. People were coming up and going, Oh, it's a lightning. It's a lightning. And then when they see the wheels are like, what, what's going on here? And he's like, yeah, those are, those are billet set of wheels. And it's like, I just made them look like the stock wheel, but a billet set, I just kind of made them a little bit better instead of the cast set. So I kind of feel like the wheels on this car now you kind of would have to keep them. By the way, they're a cool center lock I agree. wheel. It's, yeah, I agree. You know, it, it's it's interesting. There's like there's no dish in the wheel, but in the back, the center lock has all the dish. Um anyway, I just think it's a cool piece, a cool car. Probably rides like shit and you can't see out of it, but it's still cool to put in in the I don't know that collection. windshield to be expensive to replace. Yeah I one of my recent trips to Michigan, I rode in a Vector. Um, yeah, how was that? Which is one of my dream cars. 
And of course, you know, it's never meet your heroes, right? I would still love to have one one day, but man, that car is a wreck. But the owner did the same thing with the wheels. Basically, you did is he paid someone to reproduce the factory wheels in larger, more uh, modern sizes for just a better visual fitment. And it looks great. So yeah. you know, good job. Good job on your lightning. I, I, and I'm down with that. You know, we, even on other cars, like I get it. You've got the original wheels. You want to, you want to keep them, but if you want to do something a little different, just as you drive around, um, Adam Kroll's Porsche 935, you can't get the right size tires for that for racing. So everybody just uses a BBS wheel for it. Um, Speaking of Adam, I this is a car that we had our eye on. We just kind of want to see the values of these things. We uh, always been a fan of these. This is the Lamborghini GT350, or sorry, the 350 GT. I was thinking back to Shelby for a second. Um, this one, one of it's our funny. favorite color combos out there. This is the uh, the uh, blue note with um, with uh, tobacco interior. This one I saw in person up there. And another thing that that you know, you love about this car is it's got a wire wheel on it, but it's got a wire wheel with some dish in it and it changes it completely. You you look at the stance of that car and the wire wheel with the dish really kind of makes this car. Um, this one was great. I'm glad to see this car go for $632,000. Uh, that's a good number for this car. Um, I, I think it's going to also affect the 400 GTs because it's the similar car that's after this. Uh, so cool. Very happy to see, see that car and go. For the people listening to this, you need to look this vehicle up. This Lamborghini 350 GT. This is a 1965. I've never seen anything like this before. And if I saw it on the street, I would never guess that it was a Lamborghini. And it's it's different looking. It's, it's pretty cool. It's the first Lamborghini. This is the first model oh, I see. car that he did. Wow. Um, yeah. And and yeah, as a reminder, we're we're starting to put these podcasts up on YouTube. So if you go to the Carcast YouTube channel, um, you'll see us, you'll hear us, and then as I'm scrolling around here, you'll be able to see that as well. If 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 everything gets recorded the way it's supposed to be recording, um, uh, we talked about the Cobra, and this is another car I wanted to see. I don't know if uh, Jay, if you had a chance to meet uh, Rod Emery at Emery Motorsports. I have not. You have not. So um, Rod is is the nicest guy, and he's been doing this. He's been at this game for a long time, and he's doing sort of what Singer is doing. And I hate comparing everybody to Singer. I think it's unfair to Singer because they sort of created a category. But sure. you do look at what Jonathan Ward is doing at Icon and what Singer is doing and what um, Velocity, I guess, is doing with Broncos and and a number of companies. And then how do you make them stand out? Uh, a, a singer stands out and, a, and an icon stands out, and mm. they do pull money at auctions. Um, Rod has been building some pretty amazing cars for a long time, and he's been doing these Porsche 356, these bathtub cars, um, the the Speedsters and, and, and the Coupes. Uh, and the outlaw version of this car, because he does a restoration as well. The outlawed version is his hot rotted version of the car. Um, and to see this car pop up at RM, um, whoever he sold it to, it's a client car. He's not selling it direct, um, to my understanding. To see this car pop up, have a really good estimate on it, and then just crush it. I mean, $747,500. And I think the estimate wow. was something like, 
six to eight, whereas a lot of the cars come in on the low end of the estimates or just barely fall in with the fee. And this crushed it. Uh, now, keep in mind, this is not a lot of car. It's a small car. It's like Adam and his Datsun 510s or his BRE sure. Roadster. These are tiny. Yeah, it's it's a 2.6 mm-hmm. liter four cylinder. He's getting 260 horsepower out of it. Um, but I don't know, probably weighs 2000 pounds, maybe even less than that. Uh, and it's it's just an incredible piece. I'm so glad to see Emory Motorsports get the recognition that I think it deserves. If you get a chance uh, to uh, see one of these cars in person or even visit Emory shop, um, you should do that. Uh, the McLaren Speedtail. Wow. Look two this million thing. bucks. Just over $2 million. Um, the reason why I like the Speedtail is because the McLaren F1 was so wildly successful. And I think um, Leno was in a video recently. I don't even know if it was his video. I forgot who it was. But he, um, he took two guys for a ride in his McLaren F1. And they basically pointed out, they're like, you bought this car new for $800,000 and it's worth $20 million. And, you know, you've, you've, or more than that. And he's like, you've made almost a million dollars a year on your car, which is a crazy thing. And it's probably not quite that much, but uh, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of money um, that he's made on that car by just, by just having it. The McLaren Speedtail is a really cool piece and it is a three-seater. It's a center drive three-seater like the McLaren F1. Now, it's not technically street legal in the US. It's the you know the show and display car. Uh yeah, that but, definitely doesn't look street legal. Yeah, but it's just uh, it's a it's <laughs> looks a cool, fantastic. It's, it's a beautiful cool piece. I mean, I don't know how to make it street legal. I don't know what they did to not make it street. I mean, there's no mirrors on it, there's probably no turn signals and and you know, if it's got brake lights and headlights and you can somehow get a, a license plate on the back. Um, I, I'm sure somebody's put it on the street. Somebody like with a dealer plate just said, "Hey, I'm moving it around from here to there." And yeah, no one's no one's trying to crash that to make it street legal. Yeah, it, no, no one's doing that. Um, but it's interesting because I I think it is street legal in other countries, just not street legal here. I think in England it is street legal, and I don't know what they've done to it on a U.S. version versus that. Besides things like side markers and 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 mirrors and stuff. I think it uses cameras and here we're, we don't allow cameras in place of side mirrors, which I'm not quite sure why it seems like it. If it everyone works, else is doing it, how would you describe this color? And this is a 2020 McLaren speed tail. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird kind of like light blue metallic and um, a lot of metallic in it. Uh, when you see the car in person in the, in the shaded areas, it has a dark blue hue to it. And then when lights on it, it really kind of pops. But the Speedtail is meant to be a top speed car. So when you look at the back of this car, it, it that's where the name comes from. It's got this long swoopy tail to it, uh, like, like some land speed cars and stuff that you might see. It just has a lot of right. length to it. It's just it's just all about managing that airflow over the top and and how to keep it stable in a high speed run. But anyway, cool cool car, just a cool piece. Two million. Two million. Two million twelve thousand five hundred. Um, and then this wow, Audi, this this eighty four Audi Sport Quattro. Uh, when I was talking with Adam Corolla, this is another car that. That uh, caught our attention. 
because 80s cars are really starting to move. Of course, we're seeing things like Mustang Cobra R models and Grand National GNX, and even Vipers are, are creeping up, although that's more 90s. Um, this car, we've seen the 80s racing cars really start to move and the rally cars start to move, but this is a street car. It's somewhat limited production, but this is just a really cool example of an Audi Quattro streetcar. $665,000 this goes for. Um, they made 214 of these, which is limited, but not that limited. I think that Ferrari uh, 350 GT, I don't know, it's like 112 or something of those. Um, the Mustang Cobra, the 93R model, 107 of those made. And these days when a manufacturer wants to do a limited edition run of something like uh, like Bugatti or or Aston Martin and and some of these companies that do a limited run, like they're doing 12, you know, or 20 or 25. Sure. They're not doing a couple hundred. So um, this is a cool piece. It's good to see. This is good for 80s collectible cars. Uh, this one has so 5,472 miles on it. So it's not like this car took off because it was on Bring a Trailer and it had nine miles and it's an Acura Integra Type R with nine miles on it that's been sitting in the garage for, for easy there. Decades, right? <laughs> Everything rotting away, but you know. Right. Anyway, it's a cool piece. So this one, it says it's one of the few that is believed to be delivered to Japan. White on white. Got to love the white cars with the white wheels. Yeah. And I got to tell you, as, as cool of a picture as this is, and or as cool of a car as that is, the overall composition of this photo that you guys can't see is what I, I can't keep my eyes off of. It's in a perfectly yeah. white garage with a white door and white walls and white ceiling, and it looks very sterile. Looks like something from a movie. Somebody, somebody figured it out, right? Somebody, someone's trying to sell a toolbox, right? But somebody figured out how to how to make this photo work. Like yeah. they were getting it all set up. Um, it's perfect. Anyway, I'm gonna close a few of these windows so I don't get too lost here. But um, uh, Barrett Jackson. Moving on to Barrett Jackson. Um, a few of the cars that. Uh, that stood out to me. Um, I, I think uh, th these cars, I just got to point out these, these sort of Eleanor recreation cars. Now this one, I believe is the Shelby licensed. Um, uh, uh, what's I forgot the name of the company. I don't know why I just blanked on the name of the company. Is this the full carbon fiber recreation? Yeah, I don't think it's the full carbon fiber body, but it's the same. Uh, it's the same company um, that was doing it. Now we've seen these. Um, I'm sorry, Classic Recreations is the company. They don't do a full like Eleanor knockoff, but they it's it's a similar type of car. They don't do the hood, which is cool because mm -hmm. I don't really like the hood, and they do fewer lights in the front because it just looked like a weird bug with too many lights in the front. This is a Coyote engine with a supercharger on it, which um, is a great combination. But you do start to see, uh, you know, you go to Barrett-Jackson, you'll see anywhere between five and 10 Eleanor cars pop up there. And uh, once the um, the estate from the original movie, Gone in 60 Seconds, they lost their lawsuit on, uh, they were charging licensing fees for every one of those Eleanor recreations. And they lost in court the trademark, they were saying, well, the Eleanor car is our car. You got to pay us money. 
which is crazy because the first movie didn't use the car that everybody keeps recreating, right? That was the Bruckheimer film right? Uh, with Nick Cage. And yep. so they lost in court. and uh, As they should have. And they were charging $30,000 per car for a licensing fee. Uh, so if you paid wow. the license, I guess there's still some cachet and say it was officially licensed during the time when a license, I guess, was required. But now that it's not required, anybody can make these. Any shop can make these for you. Uh, but you do start to see a difference between the quality of the car. You'll see Eleanor's go up there for 100, 120 grand, and they've just got uh, you know an iron block 302 that costs $5,000. And then you'll see some in there with a modern day Shelby GT 500 engine. That's a $35,000 engine with electronics. And those cars are getting to 250,000. Um, this car, you know, did, did well. Yeah. At 517,000. So yeah, that's half a, a million that's big dollars. Money. Big yeah. money for that car for sure. Um, well, this was your favorite one, wasn't it? This one, this one was just bonkers as far as, as, the auction. We're looking at the uh, the Mercedes SL Gullwing, the '56 Mercedes. This SL is the weekend Gullwing. high, I believe. Uh, yes, but at RM they had one that went for 1.7 million dollars. Now this one has a little bit more of a history to it, and um, I believe this is an alloy alloy body car. Um, we'd have to scroll through all the specs to make sure, but um, it is interesting. It's a special car, and alloy cars have have really kind of made the difference, but oh my gosh, $3.41 million for a Gullwing. And a few years ago, these were 1.2 million. They've, they've crept up um, a little bit to about 1.7 million as we saw over at RM. Um, but, you know, they still made a handful of these cars and it seems like any notable auction, uh, uh, you know, around the country has at least one of these, if not one of these and a roadster. So they're not impossible to get. It's just one of those cars that it's beautiful. It's a great collectible, but if you wanted one, you could probably make a couple of calls and get one, you know, almost immediately. Right. Um, it's a nice car, right? But is it twice as nice as the 1.7? I, I see. That's the thing is I don't think it is, mm -hmm. man. The room, this is the thing. It's like Barrett Jackson, the spectacle that it is, um, there's, there are some cars that are, are a good deal. And then just sometimes the room gets so exciting and something like this happens. Now there's gotta be two people in the room bidding on this. So two people thought, you know, $3 million was, was still worth it for this car. Um, and it's going to be tough for them to make it, make it back. They'll probably will, but it's going to be a little while. You think of, that 10 years or so it, it's taken to get these cars from about a million to a million seven um, other than this car. By the way, the hammer price is 3.1 million. You add, you add the fee and something or it's 3.1 sure. million and change. So you add the fee. So the 3.4 million is, is with the fee. But uh, I got to tell you, Barrett Jackson week is the only week out of the year, but I'm glad I don't have adult money. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I'd be buying a lot of stuff. This is a car I, 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 you, you have to be familiar with. Um, I absolutely, I love the LFA, the Lexus LFA. Now, Lexus LFAs are going for about 700, $750,000. The Nurburgring edition cars are going for almost a million dollars more. This one went for 1.650, uh, 
cool car. I don't think there's a massive difference between the LFA and the Nürburgring edition, uh, other than its limited availability and some of its, you know, yeah, like the plaques on the engine and stuff and the million bucks. Yep. Million bucks on auction week. It's a big difference. I, listen, I, if you're collecting an LFA, this is the car you want. If you're driving an LFA, save the million bucks, get the regular one. Cause you're just going to sure. drive off the value a little bit. There's only a handful of people that get to drive their cars on a regular basis and still retain the value. Guys like Leno, he gets to drive them and restore them back. And because he's Leno, he gets to keep all the value right. in it, but you know, good for him. He deserves it. It's the Leno value. Yep. You Owned know, by Jay Leno, driven by Jay Leno. I've driven it's worth money. I've driven three LFAs in my life. I've seen three LFAs. <laughs> I've driven three and I got to do a track day up at Willow Springs on in an LFA. Two LFAs. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I have a good uh, buddy with one, but I haven't driven it. And I've only seen it. He daily drives his Zanardi NSX. Got a couple hundred thousand miles on it. It's curb rash. So. Yeah, that's a cool car. Um uh, let me, let me hit a few of these. Uh, I just want to get into these auction cars and I want to talk about some of your stuff real quick. Um, this is a Shelby recreation. Now this was a charity car. Uh, the kids at the school that the, uh, Shelby organization, um, uh, donates to built the car and they sold it at Barrett Jackson as a charity car in an effort to raise money for their school. Now this went for a hundred thousand dollars. I think that's kind of on the low end. Um, now Barrett Jackson doesn't take a fee or anything on the charity cars, just goes directly to them. You write the check directly to the charity. It doesn't go through Barrett Jackson. They're just there to help, uh, facilitate the sale. Um, it's a cool piece. I would have liked to have seen 150,000 for this car, but also Seems the, a little low. yeah, the, the, the Mustang dark horse VIN number one, I think that one for 375 for JDRF, um, uh, that organization, uh, in the past, those types of cars would usually pull about a half a million dollars. Now, I think the timing was a little off on that car because Barrett Jackson does a good job of getting VIN number one on many cars, Corvettes, Mustangs, uh, Toyota Supra when that came out. And when you bid on the car, they often rolled out the prototype car. And then when you get VIN 1, you get to tour the factory, go visit them, build your car, pick your colors, pick your paint, pick everything, and get the whole like VIP experience. Now, because the timing of this auction and when the Mustang came out, you didn't get to do that on the Dark Horse VIN number 1. It was already built. And the car they rolled up there was the car you get. Uh, so I think taking away the experience um, is what probably knocked that thing down to about 375 from from probably what would have been $500,000 but uh anyway this is still a cool car i liked it uh this last piece i don't even know how to explain it um hopefully you're watching this on youtube or if you go check it out on youtube but um there was a 2009 humvee that was wildly modified and they turned it into a 6x6 and this thing was going nuts in the room. This thing broke the internet. And it did. And it sold for $825,000. It's got a Hellcat engine in it. Um, I was up there with a whole crew of people uh, watching this thing. And we're like, "I, it's cool. But we were just like, but what do you do with it? It's not a movie car. 
It doesn't go into like the Hollywood exhibit at the Peterson Museum. It's just this yep. wacky piece that I don't know what you do with. Like once you get it, like I, I just don't fully understand, but to at least two people in the room, they understood it far better than I did because they bid this thing up and someone paid $825,000 for it. Uh, so I don't know. Good, good on them. And it's, I guess. it's very, uh, people are the lover. They hate it. Apparently, you know, kind of reading, reading along online. Yeah. It's very unique. Like you were saying, I mean, gas monkey garage was Rollins and, I, exactly. I don't know his like, involvement you... with it. I don't know if he owned it and he was selling it and he bought it from somebody initially, but something he didn't like build that. It. Yeah. There was other builders listed. He was up on yeah. stage. So I don't know. Maybe he saw it from somebody and he bought it and he was selling it to make a profit, in which case he did very well because there's no way he paid anywhere near this initially. Sure. And it's the same. What do you do with it? You know, you roll it up and down the strip. You can't go, you know, everyone's standing in line for the clubs and the restaurants gets to see it, but Eventually they go inside and they're eating and drinking and you're still rolling up and down on the strip because you, you can't you, do anything with it. You take it to a cars and coffee or something. You just roll it out on the weekend. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's street legal. It's an awesome vehicle. It's just, what do you do with it? Yeah. What do you do with it? Anyway. Um, ah, here we go. Donald Trump's <laughs> Lamborghini Diablo. This is another car that did very well. Um, and it just goes to show you the story is what adds so much value to the cars. Uh, this is not Donald Trump selling his Diablo. There's been two owners since Trump, I believe. You, Whoever bought this for $1.1 million, by the way, is, I guess, the fourth owner. Um, but uh, just reading the room at Barrett-Jackson, by the way, when they rolled this thing out on stage, the room got loud. People were cheering for this thing. And then as the Everybody stood went, up. Yeah, as yeah, everybody the stood went, up, took their phones out. Man, this is crazy. You know, this is pulling this is pulling big money for for Diablo. Now, this was ordered new by Donald Trump. Uh, he picked the color combinations and he drove it for a little while, and it's got a few miles on it. Uh, and it's you know it hammered out a million bucks, sold for one point one million. This really got the room excited. So it's just kind of a uh, interesting piece. There you go, a little bit of piece of history. Does it say? How many miles were on it? I don't remember how many miles on it. Uh, 15,000 miles. And I don't know how wow, much Trump yeah. put on versus how much the other owners put on it. Um, There's a lot of miles, period, on a Diablo. Yeah. And then I, I just brought this one up. This is a 57 um, uh, Continental. This is a full custom car. But we talked about on podcasts in the past that if you have a nice custom and a good builder, and they really bring their A game. Customs are bringing money. This this car was seven hundred and fifteen thousand wow. dollars. Whoever commissioned this car to be built probably didn't spend seven hundred and fifteen thousand dollars getting it built. So, to see a custom go for as much or more than what it was built for is a, a complete shift in in the way these cars were going. I mean, it's just. It's crazy to see. Like we'd see a five hundred thousand dollar Ring Brothers car pull, I don't know, three hundred three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and everybody's happy with that number because you've never seen that kind of number before. Um, uh, we saw a C ten pickup truck go up there, really, really nice, done, but three hundred thirty thousand dollars for a C ten pickup truck. Uh, uh, just, just kind of a 
crazy things happening there over at um at uh, at Barrett Jackson. Um blazers and C10 trucks. It doesn't matter if it's slammed or if it's uh if it's lifted. They they are just pulling money. Broncos still continue to do well, but the Blazer and the C10 truck is the new is the new Ford Bronco. Um and Broncos Yeah, it seemed like it was it seemed like it was the the weekend or the auction for that. You go out yeah. there and go underneath the tents and every single one of them, you know, one went for you know, 197 and 330. I think one rolled across what was it Friday or Saturday? A, a black one. It went for like 400 and something. Yeah, pulling crazy money. And the thing about Broncos, it's it's similar to those Eleanor cars. If if you're doing a Bronco on a stock chassis um, with uh, an iron block pushrod motor, like a 351 or 302 base, it's a hundred and thirty thousand dollar truck, hundred forty thousand dollar truck. Um, if you're doing a coyote swap and if you're doing an art Morrison chassis, a roadster shop chassis, something like that, um, it's, it's 180 to, to you know, the two fifty, depending on how nice it, it is. So, uh, and people are recognizing that at the auction, uh, with, with the descriptions online and people getting there and be able to get there early enough in the week and really kind of see these cars and crawl under these cars and, and get your photos, you can. People are paying for quality work because I I have no idea if there was 20 Broncos or 50 Broncos, but there was 2000 cars at Barrett Jackson and there could right. have been 30 or 40 Broncos go for, for the, for the nine days they were out there. It wouldn't surprise me if there were 30 or 40 Broncos up there. And I'm sure I could just go to the website and, and click and see, but um, you, you've got to pick, you got to pick the right stuff. Um, yeah. I, you're walking around and looking yeah. and I, I missed probably three of the tents, honestly. So I, I say this before all that didn't see a lot of power wagons. Usually it's like 15, 20, 30 power wagons. It seems. Yeah. Maybe not as, as many as, as before. And there's some, right. there's some, um, uh, there's some good companies now that are getting into those more and they're figuring out how to make them into a cool kind of resto mod. The engine swap is the easy part, but how do you get it to stop and drive and have decent power steering. And that's the things that they're figuring out and just doing it on the stock uh, components is in, is not really quite there yet. So there's a few companies that are just starting to to figure it out. Uh, but that being said, how was your Barrett Jackson? What was going on? Some highlights there for you? You know, I mean, you know, did the Future Collector Car Show again with Bogey, you know. That's right, you hosted her. that. Yeah, you know, congrats to her and, and, and their awesome car. Uh, with the Barrett Jackson Cup, they uh, won People's Choice. That was an amazing car. But you know, when I did the you know, the Future Collector Car Show as a host, you don't really get much time to really look at anything. I think I yeah. probably missed sixty percent of the cars that were just at that specific show. And then, of course, you know, having a busy week, I wasn't able to get back to Barrett until Friday when we kind of came in at the same time, which was pretty cool. Because you had mentioned that I might want to stick around because you never know. And of course, that never know was Sammy Hagar, which was, you know, we haven't talked about that yet, but that's, that was like getting a free concert. And I don't know if there's any other time in my life where something yeah. like that would have just happened. And so I definitely, I probably would have left an hour or two before that, but I'm like, no, you told me and I'm going to stick around. Yeah, there was a, a sort of an impromptu performance. So uh, Sammy Hagar had his LaFerrari consigned there. And um, when, when uh, Craig Jackson went out to California and filmed the video with him, the car was fine. And then when they brought it to Arizona, they did a few driving, you know, they went to a few places to show the car, to promote it. 
and there was an issue with the hybrid battery system and uh, spoke with Ferrari and it was sort of at the, the, the extend the, the end of its eight year life cycle. And um, they decided to pull it from the auction. They're going to work on it, swap the battery. I know Sammy wants that car to be 100% perfect. So he's going to work with Ferrari and getting it tip top shape. And it's going to go to the, the new, Barrett Jackson Scottsdale October auction. There's going to be a smaller auction in October. Smaller meaning not nine days. It's like three days. Uh, but, you know, he was scheduled to come yeah. out and he wanted to promote the car. And uh, they had already had the um, this uh, cover band called Red Voodoo that plays a lot of Sammy songs and and Van Halen songs. And, and yes, we knew a little bit ahead of time that Sammy was on his way in and he was going to pop in and do a few songs with them. And he probably paid, played like 45 minutes. You know, sure. He, yeah. he must have done a, a pretty pretty good set. So he went out there with Michael Anthony uh at Barrett Jackson and um and played a bunch of uh bunch of uh good songs. It was you fun. know that that red voodoo who opened for them was pretty exciting too. They had a lot of energy. Uh but I hope that people that were just kind of there and, and didn't realize, you know, obviously with the surprise of Sammy Hager yeah. really understood and appreciated exactly what was going on because you know like i said that's not really probably ever going to happen anywhere again you know and then of course the rest of the time i spend most of my time at bear jackson hanging out and talking to people yeah and right so i probably missed 40 percent of the cars this year that were there so i always kind of kick myself i feel like you have to go earlier in the week and just kind of walk it by yourself or walk yeah, up with one do. other person because yeah. once party time comes on or Super Saturday, it's just so much going on. You know, you really have time to kind of sit down and look at cars. Yeah, you have to kind of do a lap on a Tuesday or Wednesday and definitely mm -hmm. see all the cars. Now, unfortunately, Tuesday and Wednesday, I think it was raining a bit, so it was a little bit tougher yeah. to see all the cars outside. Um, Thursday is not a bad day to do it if you can hit it Thursday morning. But, yeah, we had so much going on, and we just got sucked into um, different meetings and stuff. I went out there to do uh, meetings and stuff as well, so – by the time I got to some of the Barrett Jackson events in the afternoon, um, it was a big social uh, gathering. But uh, Friday when Sammy came out, he played a song. And then Saturday, he came back and uh, just sat with us. We all hung, hung out for a couple hours and and watched the auction. We had a good conversation about the alcohol business. Being uh, sure. somebody who owns a brand and doesn't make any money versus a guy who owns several brands and makes all the money. <laughs> and I was you'll, like, you'll get I, there. I was like, how do we become you when we grow up? And he was like, he was like, good luck. It's the hardest thing ever. Alcohol. There's so many goddamn rules and everything. It's just a, a big pain in the butt to, uh, to, to, to get any headway in that. I, my computer keeps making noise with emails. I hope I, I can only, I can there. only buy so much bravado. <laughs> I was listening to, I think it was your most recent episode or maybe two episodes ago. Well, two episodes ago, because you, when you guys had Craig Jackson on. Yeah. And he was talking about kind of, you know, where the auction came from, you know, and even some of his skill sets, which I had no idea. But he's right. I, I think of the auction as almost like going to Six Flags with no roller coasters. That's pretty much all it's missing, right? Because you have the food, you have kind of the, I really wouldn't call it a trade show, but, you know, during, down the main tent. You know, it's you have they all have sorts a big of big vendor that... section, and yeah, you yeah. go outside. There's ride-alongs; those are the rides, right? Instead of a roller yep. coaster, you can you can jump into a Mustang or or a Challenger or something. Um, and yeah, you could 
you know, you can grab a giant turkey leg and a funnel cake while you're out there if you'd like, or you can uh, just walk over to the Blueprint Engines booth or the Superformance booth and see a bunch of uh, of their cars. But um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, there's it's all a sorts state of stuff. fair with a car auction. In the it middle. is. Eating all this, uh, there's no there's no uh, animals to pet, so there's no petting zoo, right? And there's no, no roller coaster. <laughs> but even going in the main entrance for people who have never been to a show like this, it's not just all you know resto mods and classics. The whole front area is all brand new cars and prototypes and things that are coming out in the in the regular market. And, yeah, you know that in itself is something you wouldn't expect if you've never been to it. Yeah, uh, it's good. It's a good event. Um... Uh, I'm glad you were there. I'm glad to catch up with you while we were out there. And uh, you guys all did such a great job on the future collecting cars. Um, uh, that event. Uh, how's the NSX world treating you? If you for you guys that don't oh, know, Jay is the NSX world is is, is crazy as freak. ever. Is NSX yeah. super freak? <laughs> yeah, the NSX world is crazy as ever. You know, I think I got my car situated exactly where I want it. Got a little bit of suspension, got some new wheels, some new tires set up. Yeah. Got a little, you know, some go fast parts put on there. And, you know, I'm so busy trying to do the NSX Club of America thing. You know, it's a three year term and there's a lot of work to do. So that's one of the kajillion things that I try to stay busy with throughout, throughout the week. You, um, your, your previous gen NSX, kind of took off kind of got pretty pretty famous as that car and then that one eventually you sold and you bought the new one uh which i love the new one is cool uh what happened with the first gen one like that how, how did that sort of take off how did you become this nsx guy so i've been a super fan for years yeah and you know once i got the car it was time i mean 20 years 20 years is a long time to dream about having or owning a specific car and then when you get it you know Sometimes we age out of those type of desires. Everybody had a, a slant nose Porsche on their wall or, a, yeah, right. or a Lamborghini, but you know I don't have one. And you know, given the money, you learn that some of those cars are great to look at, but not very fun to drive all over the place. Um, so you know, getting the NSX and and kind of keeping it normal for years was was great. Moving from Michigan to Arizona, you know, you realize on these long, beautiful roads just how dated and slow your car is. You know, and it's not always about speed. It, it really isn't. But it's about the experience. But it, you started getting kind of into the car show scene yeah. and kind of modifying your car and start competing and doing things. And, you know, so you're pr pretty much referencing the wrap that I had on there. You know, once I decided to, you know, because I'm kind of a designer by trade, you know, nowhere near Ralph and, and Chip Foose and those guys who kept doing it and, and have just done amazing things. But I used to look at cars that were wrapped. You know, you get the, the, the spaceship wraps or the fighter jet wraps. And I would look at the details in the wraps and I'd look at them closely and I'd go, you know, it's a lot of pixelation there or, you know, there's only one type of screw on here or, or fixture. And the reality is on aircrafts, there's so many different types of hardware. I could do better. I could do better. Yeah. And so one day I just challenged myself to design a wrap and learn Photoshop and, you know, do everything that I said that I thought I could do better on. And, you know, what ended up, what it ended up being was a kind of a dedicated rap to a cartoon I used to watch when I was a little kid and it just kind of took off. And, you know, as you've seen, and some people that know who I am have seen those miniatures that were made on the other side of the world. I'll, yeah. I'll get in front of it. I didn't commission any of those. Those are just companies that decided to make money off of the things that I've worked on. 
Um, yeah. But I did, it's, I did it's reach weird, out. It's like, it's a little to... flattering, but also, you know, you could have sure, asked. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I was able to reach out and kind of broker somewhat of a relationship, not necessarily a financial one, but it's like, if you're going to make my car, can you at least put my name on it? You know? Uh, and so we agreed on that and I got a few cars and a few at, at cost and, you know, have a few pins out there and that thing just kind of took off. Um, but you know, that's, that's what we do as car people. You know, some of us are driven by different things than others. You know, it would have been nice to be on the cover of a magazine, but I got in a magazine, which is great. But eventually, you know, the guy that's sitting in front of you, you know, Jay Finning, it needed to be more about the car or less about the car and more about me. So that transition just kind of happened because at the end of the day, cars come and go, projects come and go, but, you know, you're still the person and, you know, we have to market ourselves and, and just be good people and have good relationships. And that's, you know, why yeah. I'm right here on your show right now is because, you know, treat people like they want to be treated and how you want to be treated and you never know what could happen. So that's the old NSX, you know, in, in a nutshell, I, after nine years of ownership, it was just time to kind of progress and get something else. You yeah. know, we spend so many of us, especially, you know, we spend so much time trying to modify and, and modernize our cars at some point. If you don't have a whole garage, a garage full of cars, then it, you just you get something modern that kind of moves you. And so, you know, the NSX Type S kind of fit that for me. I love the 2017s, the 2021s as well, but it took the Type S for me to sell my old car. And a lot of people don't realize this. Sure, I, I had the allocation assigned to me. Yeah. I didn't know if I could even afford the car until the car got delivered and I started running financing. So I was without a car for about nine months. And if it didn't work out, then it wouldn't have worked out. I'd be driving in, I don't know, an old Alpha or so, something else, you know, an Aston Martin. You know, there's a ton of cars that I, I would love to have. And yeah. so, you know, the NSX wasn't the only stop shop. So I might be done with forever cars. I don't know. But that's kind of where I kind of landed where I am right now. So you must have thought about doing a similar type of wrap or a theme for the new Type S because it, now it has more of a jet fighter look than even the other one did. Uh, although it's been done. So maybe something else. Uh, you, you never know, Matt, what the the future could hold. You know, I, I would, I'd be a liar if I didn't say that, you know, I didn't think about it and have talked to some people that maybe want to partner up with me. But, you know, to your point, it's been done. You know, so what, what would come of that? Who knows? So, right. um, but the other car made a lot of sense being an Acura NSX, being like the official, I don't know, fighter jet car, being one of Gordon Murray's, you know, inspirations when designing the McLaren F1. A lot of people don't know that. That's something that we're kind of proud about. And it just, it fit the car. And so, you know, right now, I don't, I don't really know, but man, it, it looks good with the white on white and just kind of sitting there like that. So yeah, it does. Knows. It looks good. It looks yeah. good. If you've done any modifications to the powertrain, I'm just curious because of the hybrid powertrain. Uh, yeah. There's not you know, a lot you could do to those cars. Yeah. There, there isn't you know, too the, much, but. And that's the thing about them is they're pretty locked down. Um, you know, there's a, you can do the, the JB4, which I never did. And then you could do the K tuner. Uh, but other than that, it's, you know, your downpipes, your exhaust and, and whatever tune, some of the guys throw methanol at it. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. The car is way too expensive and you blow that motor. You know, I've, I've heard quotes out there where it's upwards of $90,000 to replace the motor. And so yeah, that's pretty and, much and a guaranteed total loss. Listen, I mean, looking at what uh, Sammy just went through on his uh, on his La Ferrari, when when you start screwing around with the hybrid powertrain, um, 
you know, and in this case his battery, I mean, you know, Ferrari's mm -hmm. quote is $250,000 on a, right. a Ferrari battery. So you, a lot of cars you, you can get for a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Other than just a battery. Um, awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us up there. Uh, 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 Goldberg got, uh, got, uh, caught into something else. I want to talk about his cars as well and what happened at the auction over there, but we're going to save that for when he's back. I think it's better that he gets to uh, get in and share that sure. story. Um, you guys can find Jay. He's at hardparkingpod.com and uh, he's uh, all over uh, social media as well. Follow his podcast. Uh, follow him on YouTube and uh, go in there. Tell him how much you enjoyed him on the show. Subscribe to his stuff and uh, enjoy more of my friend Thanks, Matt. all right guys we're gonna wrap things up until next time keep the air in the spare and the bag of the wheel for the latest updates and call-in times follow the show on facebook twitter and instagram at carcast show if you'd like to write in fill out the form on carcastshow.com and don't forget to give us a nice rating on itunes carcast is a corolla digital production and is produced by chris loxamana for more information, visit carcastshow.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.